Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Made at PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Sir, it's never the underdog. Sir, it's never the underdog. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host, Raul and Shu. Coming at you Tuesday night, so we're recording this after Duke beats Dartmouth uh, to open the season, 92-54. Notable absence that last night was Mark Mitchell was kind of listed day-to-day. It sounded like he had like a little bit of a sprained ankle. Um, Doesn't seem to be too concerning. We might kind of get into that a little bit later on. But for now, we did get Raul on press row, his first experience. So kind of just wanted to get his feedback or just his thoughts on that. Kind of last minute, Raul. So you didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare. You just kind of took the ticket, got in line. And what was that process like for you now having a CTC experience and then a a live game here? Yeah, it was really cool. Um, Like you said, I've we already did it before, of course, Shu and I, um, and just having been through that whole process, knowing exactly where the will call was, exactly where the Bill Brill media room is, all that stuff, how to get to the locker room, that was big, of course. Um, and then just running into a few familiar people, some people that we'd seen the last time. And then I saw Brian Geisinger there too. So I chatted with him a little bit. Um, Josh Cox was there. So shout out to him. He's really cool. Um, but yeah, so you know that kind of eased a little bit of my concerns. I did have a moment of panic when uh, I couldn't find where I was listed on the seating chart for a while. Finally found it, got out there, was going to take my seat, and then it wasn't listed where it was supposed to be. And then I found out, um, I guess it would be Mark Watson. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from uh, BDN. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found out he wasn't coming, so they'd mislabeled his seat. It was supposed to be my seat. So eventually I figured that out thanks to the help of some other people there. So nice. Um little uh moment of panic there, but uh, you know, I was I was just afraid like I was just gonna be stuck like hovering with the students there because I couldn't find my seat and you can't walk by the cameras once, you know, once things start up. But uh yeah. Great experience to see you on TV. Yeah. Kind of like, oh, yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> um, you had a good spot where at least you could get in and out. Like, oh yeah, I, yeah, I, I, did, I did really like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't as cool as being maybe in the middle of the court, but at the same time, the convenience of just being able to slide in and out there, and I had yeah. extra leg room and stuff like yep. that too. Um, I will say that those crazies that you probably saw right behind me were like all over me all night. Um, so that was an interesting experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, they they were really funny, and it was it was uh, it was great to uh, experience a more kind of engaged crowd. I mean, I thought they were good at CTC as well, but this was like at a completely different level. I know Shu said that the exhibition was you know uh, maybe kind of like so so, but this game it was like packed house, super loud, like definitely loud. Honestly, like I wish I had brought earplugs. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Then set the tone, yeah, really. Um, exactly. I'll ask you the same thing I did ask you, though. CTC, obviously, we're playing each other. It's easy to probably keep emotions in check. Was there any, like, maybe for good or on the inverse side of this, did you find that it was just 
like emotionally detached watching it from press row or was it harder to like, oh, I was about to clap for that flip dunk and now I have to contain myself with the crazies going bonkers behind you? I don't find not cheering for something good. I don't find that as difficult as uh, containing <laughs> my frustration. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, F-bomb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, the two that were hardest for me, uh, Christian Reeves, who we'll talk about later, um, had two like rebounds that he kind of botched and they somehow both ended up in tip-ins mm-hmm. and it almost kind of looked like he tipped it in and one flew like four feet in the air and somehow went in the basket. And I had this involuntary hand gesture, which obviously you're not going to be able to see if you're listening to it, but just my hand went up like that <laughs> and that was it. Like, but it was uh completely involuntary. So I'm going to have to, you know, sit on my hands next time or something, but um yeah, but overall, I was, you know, sweating it out a little bit uh, for the first uh, 13 minutes or so of the game, which we can get into. Um, and I, you know, I was kind of contained my frustration there. But as we pulled away, it got more and more enjoyable. Mm, yeah, well, that's probably a good point to to jump into. Um, pretty slow start here, right? Like watching the first, really the first half, but primarily those first, what would you say? You said 13 minutes or so. That's yeah. probably about yeah. accurate. Of, it was, uh, cause I, I just like really 18 to 14 or something. Yeah, wasn't exactly. it? it was like really like seven 30 left in the half. Yeah. 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 So from that point, you're probably not expecting to get to 92. It definitely, I wasn't right. I was like, are we getting to 70 at this <laughs> point? Um, and obviously there was a lot of foul trouble going on and a lot of stuff there Wh- where your seat was like, did you did you find the officiating to be like yeah okay they're just calling it almost NBA style no hand checks no nothing or was it it seemed a bit nitpicky like you weren't really allowed to play um, what was that kind of perception being there there because I know on the floor or even live in general you just get a different perspective on it what was the kind of feeling in the building about the officiating oh people were uh, livid I would say um, they mm-hmm. were not happy. Um, and I kind of ended up feeling the same way. I don't necessarily think it was like the refs calling everything on us and not Dartmouth. I think it was that we were playing a more aggressive perimeter style of defense. Sure. And because of the way they were calling it, which was very nitpicky, it favored Dartmouth. And that's why we ended up with more fouls than them. Um you know, and it's it's one of those things we always see kind of just odd officiating early in the season because they always yeah. have new points of emphasis. And I'm guessing the points of emphasis this year are about uh, perimeter hand checking because that's mostly what they ended up calling. Um, though, you know, we can talk about McCain later as well because there were a few things where it's like he seemed like he did his best to avoid a foul. And it's like, what are you even supposed to do in that situation? Particularly the one that annoyed me was... Uh, when he was like backing up with his hands raised the entire time and the players just driving into him. It's like, that's just defense. What are you supposed to do if you can't do that? Yeah. 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 I thought that at least three of those could have been no calls. Right. And so when you get all three of them being foul calls, it's that's, that's kind of tough. Mm, yeah. Which row I don't you wouldn't have heard it on the broadcast. They talked about a new rule is the the straight line drive. So anytime you have a straight line at the basket, a player a defender is not allowed to like last second step into your way that's going to be a block every time right so i guess that's what they were applying to mccain there but i yeah, thought one of he, them was... he got with that but yeah the, the one on the baseline is fourth one was kind of i think that's the one you're talking about was i mean the dude just spun back and and kind of bumped into him and they call a foul and i think it surprised both of them like what yeah, i, I what actually i think now? i was actually <laughs> talking about the third one which was probably the straight line drive okay but I thought he was there for a while. Like he was tracking him the whole way and backing up. That's what I saw from my angle. But of course that was on the opposite end of the court Yeah, at that time. Sure. So it's hard sure. to tell, you know, maybe, maybe he did slide in front of him. I don't know. Yeah. I think that, that particular play, he actually was chasing down. He was going to chase down the ball from behind, but realized right. he wasn't going to get to it. So he tracked back to his man. And by that time the guy was making his move and he kind of slid okay. in there a little late. So I, I that was the one that I, Agreed kind of was like, all right, that's a block. But the other ones were were pretty lame. Right. Yeah, it's, it's it's you know, it's weird how what you can see live versus on TV is just so different. There's some things that you can see much better live and then some that you're not going to be able to because, uh, for, you know, for the entire first half, I'm seeing 90 feet down the court. 
And then the second half, it's right in my face. Yeah. So, yeah. So some of those McCain fouls occurred like really far away from me. So it's tough to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's kind of bounce around a few things here. I guess we'll start with kind of the positives. Um, bench scoring, right? Like a lot of guys were involved, which is kind of not ironic, really. I, I think it's, we had 35 points off the bench, but it was kind of a little skewed probably, right? Like Foster was had a tremendous game, spoiler alert. Jalen Blake's played a really good game. Um, but we didn't really use the bench that much early in the game. So I guess we'll, we'll start there, kind of what, what you've made of that. Um, to me, it seems like there's just a lot of backcourt depth that we're just going to have some of these guys, regardless of which one of these guards are coming off the bench. Well, we haven't even um, mentioned Mark Mitchell being out, have we? Or maybe you did at the top. I did at the very top. The yeah, fact so that we were out, able to get yeah. that much bench scoring without him is, you know, a huge deal. Yeah. And I thought, and it was, it's kind of a double thing because it's incredible that we got that much bench scoring with him out. But then I was also like watching the game live in the first half of like, wow, we're not really even getting into some of these guys with him out. What does that say? When he's back, because when he's back, he's the only guy on the roster that really can play the way that he plays, right? From a body style, from defensively, the switchability. Um, you got to think he's going to eat up as many minutes as he can handle, you know, 30 minutes a night, 35 if he can. Um, but it was good to see some guys getting involved, um, at least. I mean, I thought, you know, obviously I mentioned Foster. I thought he was phenomenal. Um you know, maybe man of the hour was Jalen Blake. So talk to me when Jalen comes in, and I think it is 14, 18, 14, or it's right around that point. He comes in, gets the pick six, hits the three at the corner to end the half pretty much. Um, what was the energy level like with Jalen Blake? He seemed to kind of just spark a run for us. When he got that steal into the and one was probably the loudest it got. Uh, all night. So yeah, just 9-0 run from him, essentially, almost single-handedly. Um, I think one, it was the uh, flip and one, but still it was like all kind of sparked by Blake's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can yeah. kind of tell he's a little bit of a, little bit of a fan favorite just because of how hard he plays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, as soon as he came in, I think he had three or four deflections within like yep. a minute. I think he came in, stole the ball, they got it back. He blocks the shot, comes down. That's when he gave up that pass that uh old the old redheaded kid tried to tried to yam one on him. I mean he gave him a hard foul, uh clean play, whatever, but um and then got another deflection like literally like seconds later. Like dude just he had his hands on the ball. Yeah, pretty much. He missed a shot. Time. I mean, he only took three shots, but he also yeah. made all three of his free throws. I yep. mean, comes in, has two assists, one turnover, two blocks, three steals. I mean, he was guarding there four or five at one point, right? Like, and, pretty, and one thing good. you guys probably noticed from the last year or so, whenever he takes it into the basket, like he goes in like reckless abandon, like and takes some hard tumbles, but makes a lot of those shots, like a lot of those still go in. Yeah. Yeah, um, it legit looked like he was thinking about trying to dunk it um, on that and one there. Like I thought mm-hmm. he was flying in for like a massive dunk, but it's probably better that he just went for the layup because he wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, let's talk about just shooting and, and offensive and like efficiency in general. Um, I didn't really recognize it as for as I was watching the game. Uh, you go back and look at the stats. We shot seventy four percent from two in this game that is outrageous i mean basically if you look at the whole game we're at 1.35 points per possession that's really really good you know um from three we only shot 17 i know coach said that that's probably going to be on the low end of the attempts but i mean you shoot 41 percent from three um everybody that played 20 minutes or more had a offensive rating above 130 that's phenomenal i mean you i mean you got like flip up there at 165 you got jaylen at 179 which is absurd but for all of those guys to be above 130 that play 20 minutes that's pretty big time um what what did y'all see from that in terms of just moving the ball being able to put points on the board especially we just mentioned the first 13 minutes we couldn't score at all basically and then the you know something happens and then boom um to to coin the phrase the flip switches and <laughs> we take off right so talk to me a little bit just as y'all were watching it in real time shoot from you from on tv with me and then Raul being there uh what'd you take away from the offensive side of things well i thought once we got into a more of a especially there later um 
I mean, Flip was controlling the paint, you know, mm. for a handful. And it was just like, you know, dribble handoff to a dunk or Ryan Young's grabbing crazy offensive rebounds, throwing scoop passes to him. Um, so he got a lot of just easy baskets there. Uh, they did switch up the defenses several times, kind of baited us into a couple tough mid-range shots here and there, but not, you know, not a terrible amount, I guess, because obviously we, we shot the ball well. Yeah, it seemed like we figured out their defense as the game went on. Uh, early, they were doubling flip from the strong side like every time, and he wasn't really able to get anything. He was uh, Shire actually complimented him on his patience and his decision-making. He didn't try to force anything when he was doubled, um, and we ended up with good shots out of it, but it was slowing down our offense. I'm talking about the first 13 minutes or so there. Yeah. Um, and then later, we were able to kind of solve that riddle uh but you know it's just that's something that's going to happen when you have young in the game as well because young's not a floor spacer so that allows the you know the second defender to come over and there's they don't have to worry about his spacing of the floor and, and mark mitchell's not a you know supremely good floor spacer either but at least he's kind of a threat to drive and he will hit the occasional three so I think you'll see our three-point volume go back up once he's out, just because there's going to be more spacing overall. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Flip only missed two shots, right? right? And I think maybe even more impressive to me was the usage that he had to have, what, one turnover, I think, is all he had. So that's, yeah. you know, that was a part of his game as a, as a freshman that was – left a little bit to be desired right that was the next step of how to remain under control how to get into your actions quicker um dude looks healthy dude looks great i think his passing has really improved uh that's what i've seen so far through uh you know these three admittedly sort of meaningless competitions you know blowout exhibition win blowout regular season win and then a scrimmage but i just like what he's he still he still has the occasional loose handle Mm-hmm. Um, that'll result in a turnover, but it's not like it was, especially at the beginning of last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I mean, for, as a team, we had a two to one assist to turnover ratio, you know, I'm mean, 18 assists. Proctor has eight of those, which is getting up there. We talked about our over unders of how hard it is to reach that. And then now I hear Shire talking about how he thinks he could lead the nation in assists. So maybe we're just going to let him do that. Um, what did y'all make of the passing? I mean, it looked like schematically that the ball was moving pretty well. It didn't stick very much. Um, we're making a killing. Like y'all mentioned, the the mid-range. If any team's trying to play drop against a Jared McCain, a Jeremy Roach, um, even Tyrese had the nice little hesitation into the mid-range. I mean, really Foster's made got the floater, too. Foster's got the floater. Um, what, what did y'all see in terms of the ball movement, in terms of any offensive sets that y'all recognize? The out-of-bounds plays, again, were a huge success last night. Um, just talk a little bit, I guess, from from a ball movement perspective. Yeah, I thought that the uh, Proctor flip pick and roll was lethal, and I yeah. thought that the Roach flip pick and roll also looked really good. Um, and then just the ability of foster and roach to both attack off the dribble opened up a lot of things as well you know because they're generally looking to score but it's still going to collapse a bunch of people and they were able to make some good passes out of it too i think foster ended up with zero assists somehow but yeah it was probably one of those things where he made the pass that led to the pass and he's more of a kind of score first guy anyway but yeah that i think that that proctor flip pick and roll is going to be our bread and butter yeah 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 Somehow, I don't know if you guys remember the play, they just a missed defensive assignment. All of a sudden, Flip's just standing in the paint, wide-ass open. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Proctor hit him with a like a really quick... Oh, that was my favorite. Nice. One-handed yeah, pass. Yeah. Yeah. Nice snap down, it too, because yeah. it looks wide open, but then you see some of the replays of some of the angles, and he just threads it right through there, yeah. too, man. So it was, uh, it, it was nice. I'd like to get Geisinger back on at some point, because... We ran, I think my favorite play of the game is um, we have Flip kind of up top. Proctor sets a screen kind of like right around like, you know, the, the paint area for Ryan as he curls over. And then Proctor goes up to the top of the key. Ryan catches it and Flip just dives and he just hits him for that dunk. Um, some of that stuff that we're running looked really good. Really, and and Foster, you don't really have to run anything for him. Yeah. That dude is, I did not realize how quick he was with the ball. It's um, crazy. 
maybe Dartmouth just didn't quite have the foot speed, but he was getting it and pretty under control, really, like going to the rim, going to the basket. They weren't offering a ton of resistance too, right? They weren't really trying to do a whole lot down there. Um, but got to be big for him to see the ball go in like that and to be able to see that, yo, I can get to the rack when I want to. Um, I guess we can talk about Foster. There was more contact than you would think than it probably looked like on and always TV. like that there, yeah. Yeah. Uh on Foster's drives and on Roach's drives. I was just really impressed with the uh Foster's strength. He just kind of bumps. I, I we've we already talked about this, but he kind of just bumps people out of the way, you know, and he's gonna have to be careful. To, he's gonna pick up some charges in a few games. But uh Roach's his like touch around the rim just has improved yeah. so much. Yeah. He has so many like kind of like really soft, crafty finishes. And he goes harder on his drives now, too, is what I've noticed. Like there's not as much hesitation. I feel like he used to get into the lane and then kind of like stop. And yeah. uh, this uh in the second half, especially, he was just kind of pummeling towards the rim. Yeah, you and can tell he over, gets in there like a like a running back. He mm-hmm. like he's got the ball, you know, right. protected and then Right as he's going up, he just kind of finesses it off the backboard. Yeah, um, and the patience that he showed too, because we talked about that that roach flip, um, or just flip as the screener in any pick and roll. Uh, but that initially, that one time he hits flip, I think either flip gets the dunk or he gets the layup. But then the next time he comes down, they run the same action. But Jeremy has like the wherewithal to kind of like wait just a second, act like he's going to kind of do it, and then just breaks like just running yeah. back right to the rim. Um, and you're right, dude. Some of those finishes, some of the English that he was putting up off of some of those was pretty impressive from a six foot, six one guard. You know, I think he's listed at six two. We'll give him that. Um, but you know, I mean he it's below the rim stuff, but the IQ in the ball screen is what I was looking at, right? Of when to kind of go, when not to. And you're right, that second half, there was a stretch where the first half Jalen Blake's kind of took over for us for a stretch. The second half, you're up 30, so you, maybe you don't recognize it. You're up 20, you don't recognize it as much. But Jeremy Roach is just unstoppable there for a little bit. He's got the nice mid-range. He's always had that. Um, but the at-the-rim finishing is something we've probably been talking about for two years, about that's the next step, right? Obviously, the three-point shot didn't take him many of those. I think he took two. Um, but I thought Jeremy looked really good. And he probably yeah. won't get talked about a lot from this type of game, but I thought he was just, like, really good, exactly in the role that he wanted to be in. Um, started to take over late in the first half too, like when it got into crunch time. Um, it, it just looked like these guys knew where they needed to be. You know, like we're game, we're one game in. There's a lot of stuff when we talk about defensively, but for the most part, people seem to understand where they needed to be, what their role was in the offense. Um, which is pretty impressive when you lose a guy like Mark Mitchell on Saturday, and all of a sudden you throw Ryan Young in there, and there's probably not a whole lot of time to change the game plan. Um, so I, I guess for me, continuity seemed pretty good for for day, for day one. Um, so you'll you'll take that. Anything else positive positivity wise we need to talk about before we get into some of the areas to look for, areas to monitor? Um, I'll bring back up the out of bounds plays. Uh, yeah, the one that I really liked was the one that resulted in a flip dunk. Uh, Proctor's inbounding under the basket, and. Uh, Roach comes up and sets a screen. It's just really simple. And then yeah. Flip just ducks to the rim. Uh, you know, maybe not the best defense, but, sure. you know, just really effective. And then obviously we we ran uh, the same uh, time. Three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's <laughs> nice that we can just pull that out. That wasn't even out of a timeout. Um, that was just something that we just kind of improvised there. And obviously it's just a go-to thing that they always have in their back pocket. And then he did miss the shot, but still, you know, great play. Got a good look. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of those little short curl stuff that we were running on those out of bounds. Yeah. Um, a lot of different options and actions. Um, Flip was the beneficiary of quite a few of them, so that was kind of nice. Uh, I guess did, as we oh, did the ahead. Stewart did the Stewart lob come off of a out of bounds play or not? I can't really remember. It, 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 I think so because yeah, you know he had he went up for that fast break one, and you could tell John was, yeah. he knew he wanted to get that one, so I think he ran that yeah specifically for him. You know, well, he'd been trying to like you know pick six one like for yeah. three minutes there since he had been in um, right because they gave they gave the take foul on one of them yeah. which kind of pissed me off yeah yeah um so you know uh, another thing positive well not really positive for duke but um and it's easier on almost 40 point win to appreciate it but that 
Neskovic or Neskovic, however they pronounced yeah. it, was just yeah. he was killing, killing us, us dude. Yeah. I mean, and he and was so, guarded by Proctor quite yeah, a bit was, too. A lot of times he was hands in his face, dude. But his mid range, like, I mean, he was just like in his bag, man. I mean, that um, isn't that is an area of concern, and maybe it's just having Mitchell out, but. Proctor yep. against wings that are bigger than him is going to be more of a thing this year. His size was so great for us last year because he was mostly guarding on the ball. Or if he was guarding like, you know, not the point guard, he was guarding like a, a two or somebody like that. So he's just going to be guarding a lot of small forwards this year. Yep. And it's going to, some of them are going to be able to shoot over the top of him like uh, Neskovich could. So having Mitchell there to kind of switch on to somebody like that, if it's not working, could be huge. Yeah, because yeah. we we went through the lineup. Flip was the five with four guards. Blake's yeah. playing the floor four, and uh, and that dude immediately backed him down. And right, I, I think exactly. He tried to take a charge, and they're not going to give you that anymore. So he just turned right over his shoulder and and scored on him. Yeah, well, and Proctor having a, a much increased. <laughs> I don't really know if it's load, but just responsibility, I think, offensively to really run the team. I think last year it kind of started where Jeremy was kind of doing a lot of initiation. Um, it's inevitable, probably at some point, that the defense that we saw, he might not quite be the ball hog stopper. Because I think last year he struggled so much early offensively that he kind of just was like, I'm going to lock in and control what I can control and just be this ball hog defender. Now I'm kind of okay with him. Like, you know, don't kill yourself out there, bro, defensively, because we really need you to orchestrate. We really need you to be, I mean, you look at, we talked about Jalen Blaze, but it's no coincidence that Proctor gets two early fouls and we look like dog crap. And then he comes back in and we immediately hit our next four or five shots or whatever, five of six, whatever it was. Um, he's just so in control. And so his ability to play quickly, to play in the half court, um, his it, IQ in those screens. I mean, you can't, you can't replicate that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, if he's only going to take three or four shots, I set the assist over under way too low. If that's the kind of game he's going to play, and maybe he will look to score more in tighter games, but uh, yeah, I mean, clearly he was just not uh, interested in scoring last night. He could have. Uh, you know, he took the open shots he had, but how many shot attempts did he even have? Um, I think he had six total shots, six, maybe. I, mean, yeah. I think he was three or six, yeah, three or right. six. So, yeah, eight assists. Um, would like to see him a little more. I mean, the shot looks good, and I, I want him shooting those threes. But I'd like to see him try to get to the free throw line a little bit more just because, like we've talked about, we know how how lethal he is there at the line. Um, did shoot pretty well as a team, nine for 12. So, you know, nothing. nothing Ironically, Tyrese missed his only free throw of the night. I know. I know. That's funny. Um, I think we only had like four, four or five guys even shoot free throws. Flip shot four. Five. Yeah, we had five yeah. guys shoot them. Yeah. Tyrese okay. missed his only one. Roach missed his only one. Caleb went two of three. Blake's went three of three. So yeah. probably not what you would have thought would have happened with that, but you know, hey, we'll take it. Um well, it's crazy to have only shot to have shot less free throws than our opponent in camp. Like, I don't it's just yeah. not something I'm used to seeing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, I thought it was a really bad whistle, but then it was also that kind of early season points of emphasis thing that'll fade away. And then it was also the way we were defending versus the way they were defending. So sure. it's just a combination yeah. of all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit as we kind of have already shifted a little bit into some areas we want to monitor. Um, and I don't think this one's going away. I think it's something that we're going to talk about all season. I do think, and we talked about this offline, of you're going to, there's going to be give and take, right? You can't construct this perfect basketball team. That's just going to be awesome in every facet. Like there's going to, there's going to be benefits and gains that we get from flip at the five and some smaller lineups. And there's going to be some areas that you have to sacrifice. It's really looking at, you know, what's, what's going to work for the team. But uh, I think rebounding in this first one is a, a marginal concern, right? Going forward. We saw it a little bit in the exhibition. We see it again tonight. Um, not really so much as the total rebounds that I care too much about, but to get doubled up on the offensive glass is not ideal when you're playing young and flip together, right? Because those are two guys that should be really, that are really, really good offensive rebounders. Um, do you think that was just a function of who were playing the shots that they were taking, some of the pace? Or are y'all concerned a little bit about rebounding at this stage? Shu, I'll go to you first for this one. I mean, it's a, I won't say it's concerned, uh, just a, like I said, an area to monitor. 
the first game against Pembroke, I think they got 10 offensive rebounds, and we only out-rebounded them total by like six, seven, eight rebounds. You know, they did say that those guys were, again, like second best in D2 last year rebounding. So, you know, take that, whatever. But this game, I thought a couple of their offensive rebounds were just us like, I think there was one time Reeves and Flip were both going for a rebound, fighting for the ball, and they slap, you know, slap it around and it gets kind of out to uh, to the three-point line and they pick it back up. So there was a couple times that, you know, we could have just cleaned that up. That would have taken away a handful of their offensive rebounds. Yeah, um, I thought that, and I noticed this in the exhibition too, that for whatever reason, it doesn't feel like Young is quite vacuuming him them up like he did last year, where it was just like every ball in his vicinity he was grabbing. There's been a lot of bobbled balls. So maybe that's just random thing across a couple games. And then, you know, Reeves' hands did not look that great last night either. So if we could just when we're there in position to grab the ball, just actually grab it, that would help a lot. Yeah, yeah. And the guards are going to have to come down and, yeah. and help out a little bit on that. Yeah, right? so yeah. like you said, it's it's just going to be give and take because if you are going to play three guards, you are smaller at the three. So there's, you know, you're going to get fewer rebounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought Foster did a pretty good job on the glass and he had yeah. three or four. So, that, you know, Proctor is a guy who historically last year was a pretty good rebounder for his side. Yeah, for, he skies for a few of them last night that I noticed. Um, so, you know, maybe we'll see more of that. I know Kay was really big on that when we would go small of having the guards come in and help down. Um, I think another thing, we don't have this on our outline, but I think another thing to talk about in terms of just not really a concern, but just something to monitor was just the rotation in general. We've kind of hinted at it a little bit here. Um, obviously, we don't have Mark tonight. We're penciling him in as a 30-plus minute per game, per game starter when he's available. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be much change in terms of Foster being the first guy off the bench unless he enters the starting lineup, and then it's probably be McCain or whoever goes out will just – that will probably stay – but talk to me a little bit about where you see based on this one game, and we've only got a sample of one of what John's done. What does this rotation look like to y'all? I mean, I'm guessing now we have Foster, Young, and is Blake's going to be the eighth guy? I mean, Christian Reese was the first big off the bench tonight. I think that surprised a few people unless you only watch CTC. Um what, what do y'all make of that? Like, how deep do you think we go? We'll talk, we can talk about um, shoot if you want to at some point, but. Where where do y'all see this rotation going based on obviously last night or Lugga you first for this one? Yeah, I mean, I think the sixth and seventh guys are pretty set. It just comes down to if that eighth guy is gonna be Blake's or if it's gonna be Sean Stewart. Um, and I don't want to spoil kind of what I'm gonna talk about with Stewart later, but there's a path to him cracking into the rotation simply because of some of Ryan's limitations and some of Reeves' limitations. Um, you know, especially if Mark Mitchell was to miss another game, let's hope he doesn't, but um, he's just going to, somebody like Stewart would offer more defensive versatility than a uh, young would. But yeah, again, I don't want to get too much into the later talking points, but I think Blake's will have a place because if you are going to play smaller with three guards, then he offers a level of defensive pressure that can kind of offset some of that size concern because of his wingspan. Yeah. 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 That's fair. That's fair. Shu, what are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, I I think I'm just curious how the Blake's minutes go because last year we saw, you know, for a while, I think he's, I don't know if he started a game or two, but he had those, you know, the back-to-back 17 point games was playing. And then all of a sudden those minutes just kind of, cratered out so um sure. i think he broke his nose too that that can't help right sure. i mean there was some stuff but yeah i mean and just uh, him I, not being a threat to shoot off ball and stuff just really kind of clogs the floor especially right. last year because we were playing two bigs at all times right. so maybe this year with the floor open up a little bit more you can kind of mitigate that a little bit you know because if, if if blake's is going to be playing the three or even like last night playing the four then his shooting becomes a little less important than if he's at the one or the two. Sure, right. And depending on, like you said, who we play, right? if we're able to to really press and get out and run and play in the open court, Blake's can thrive in that and getting up and down and guarding at that pace. And a half-court set, 
things can get a little more questionable. Um, so, you know, I think that's something we'll continue to track. What about TJ Power? That's someone that Jeff Goodman has raved about. Brandon March talked about his thing. We were all, I think, a little bit more on the conservative side of what that might look like year one. Um, a lot of people had this guy in the starting lineup. To me, the game just has not slowed down for him. And I'm not really sure the that's not a knock on the staff or him, but I'm not really sure like what the role or what the fit is, right? Are you going to play more of a three? Are you going to play more of a hybrid four? Where can you defend like it, the systematic knowledge? It's just hard to see that. Obviously it was just one game last night, but um, where do y'all see that trending here? I guess if we have to not give an over under for TJ, but do you see him cracking into this rotation at all? Or what do we have to do to keep this guy involved? I guess is the better question. Shoot, I'll, I'll toss that one to you. Yeah, that's going to be tough. I mean, I, I think in the, you know, the big marquee games, we probably won't see him at all um, through the non-conference and even through some of the easier, I mean, hopefully he gets to play against Louisville or Notre Dame, right? Like sure. they're not looking all that great. So hopefully we can get him some minutes there, but I think we might see more at the three his more of his minutes at the three. I just don't know if he's strong enough to guard a four right now. Um, although, you know, depending on who he's guarding as a three, that might not be a good matchup either. Defense is obviously where it's, you know, that's his limitation right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think, um, yeah, obviously defense is the big concern, but I also think that offensively, just from what I saw, he was only in for a few minutes, but I thought he needed to move more. He was just kind of standing on the right wing there. And it's just like, it was just a little too easy for guys to close out on him. So yeah, it just doesn't seem like he's really kind of figured out exactly where to be on either end. Um, and if he didn't play last night with Mitchell out, it's like, you know, that's your prime opportunity. Is he really going to play once Mitchell's back sucking up 32 minutes or whatever? Yeah, that that was my only thing last night as I was like, man, this is a great time with Mark out to see what you got with this guy. Right. Well, John kind of has a better idea in practice, but to see in competition, sometimes things just click in, in competition. Um, he seems to be a pretty intense competitor for what we know. So let's, you know, see what we got there. But, um, and it happens, right? Like sometimes it takes a little bit for freshmen to get acclimated, especially in a year where we don't really need the freshmen to be much more than freshmen, right? We just kind of need them to be frosh, to come in and to provide a spark. Obviously, McCain and Foster are a bit different from where they're at coming in. Um, but it's always, I think, a little easier for guards to acclimate at this level than it is for for wings or hybrids, forwards or bigs or the like. Um, and and if you're behind defensively, that's a bit of a tough curve too, right? Of just learning how to defend in college. Um, it's just a, a bit of a different animal. So, But we've also talked about like he's kind of that in that tweener ring. He's right? a tweener. It's hard to find. Like you said, does, does he guard, so can he guard a three? Double, does he guard a four? Double yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right. Um, you know, I think for me, and obviously this is getting way ahead, it's just making – I want to keep him involved, at least from the vision standpoint that John talks about of this, you know, there's a path to where maybe we, we, need, we need this guy, maybe something clicks at some point. Um, who knows? Who knows? Injuries happen, you know, all I the mean, time. He, was so. he a top 20 recruit too? I think, yes, I think he was. I think, yeah. so, right? I I think, think he, he finished there. Finish like right at right around that spot. So yeah, it's not higher, it's so. not really the same situation as a guy like Jaden. Jaden came in what in the '60s or something like that. So it's like yeah. it's a little tougher to sell um, a guy ranked in the top 20 on just barely playing. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you know, I think it was he was 16th um, mm, yeah. nationally. So yeah, that's a tough sell. Right. That's a tough sell, but you know, I don't, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously we're, we're one game in, so there's plenty of opportunities coming up to, uh, maybe not Arizona might not be the best <laughs> one, but hey, Michigan state looks not good. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what they got going on. Maybe they can get past up in Indiana before, uh, before we face them next week. But, I mean, we just saw last year, it's not uncommon for players to struggle early and then something for the, to suddenly click for them, you yeah. know, the flip switches. Yep. Yeah. 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 There we go. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll, we'll monitor those things as we get through, um, you know, overall pretty good game, pretty good experience, but uh, let's take a quick little break. We'll come back. We'll do our player spotlights right quick. And then we'll kind of preview this Arizona game. 
Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. He is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, well, let's get back into it. Um, we've talked about all these guys already, but you know, if, if you're new to this, typically the last two years or so, we've really kind of like to pick a player that we spotlight each week. Um, it's not always the MVP. It's not always the best. Boy, where neither of us picked Flip because he kind of just spoke for himself. Um, but I'll, I'll start, and you know, this has been my guy since he we first started recruiting him, since he committed. Um, got the shirt hanging up in the closet. To me, it's just Tyrese in terms of what he does, how he orchestrates the offense. Um, I mentioned that, you know, he goes out with the fouls. We can't score. He comes back in immediately, even if he's not involved. I think just his presence on the floor opens up so much stuff. Um, offensively, the trigger looks there. He looks confident. We talked about some of those passes to have eight assists. We don't get many guys like that. Typically, that's just not how we played. I think what Tyus averaged six, five and a half. Six and a half, yeah. maybe max, something like that. Um, so it just it's not something that that happens all the time. So to have a guy like that orchestrating in what I consider the most important position on the floor, good to see him just kind of ready to go and um and locked in. So I'll, I'll go Proctor Shoe. I'll toss it to you. You can uh, highlight someone for us. Yeah, I'm gonna go um, with my guy again from Harrisburg, North Carolina, Caleb Foster. Um, I just thought it, you know, the we talked about it earlier, like the the strength on his drives. Um, he's going in, um, kind of and and looking to initiate contact as he's going up, but he also puts it off like really softly as he's doing it. Um and just I think Childress might have mentioned he had maybe one of those drives where he kind of threw up a wild shot. I think he ran into Reeves kind of going into the lane mm. uh and just Look, at that point, would I rather you turn it over or throw one up off the rim and have a chance for us to get a rebound? Probably, you know, the latter. So, um, but second minute, most minutes played on the night. Um, that was in the exhibition. I think he was the second most as well. So he's he's getting a lot of, you know, a lot of opportunity to to showcase what he can do. Um, but just overall good game from him. Yeah, I thought he looked great defensively too. We didn't talk about that, but I think he had two or three deflections. I know he had the one deflection for sure that Roach got led to the fast break. Um, so yeah, yeah I thought he, was he also active. handled uh, he handled the backdoor cuts really well. Uh, he yeah. got a couple steals off of those too. You yeah, know, that's, which yeah, had been a little bit of an issue uh, for us earlier in the night. So I really liked that. Um, maybe I'll put it in here if, if, if the sound quality is good enough. But I did have a quote from him that was just basically about. Uh, his driving ability, uh, you know, and I just asked him and he just kind of credited his trainer. Nothing too groundbreaking, but that was really what stood out to me was just he's just a beast going to the rim. Yeah, the speed. Yeah, yeah. the speed. Um, yeah, the open court speed, too. Like yeah. he has a way of pushing the ball down the floor as fast as he can go, but it doesn't look out of control. It's kind of like Kyrie-like. Yeah, I and I, I think that, this yeah. new the new straight line drive rule will really benefit fit him, too. Yeah. Because right. now you're not going to have he, – he's looking for that, that path and if – if he sees it and he gets going to it, you know, 
I want him um, to punch one of these at some point because the speed that he's coming down there with, dude, I mean, he's 6'5". You know he's got the hops to do it. So I'd like to see him get up and get one. But uh, all right, Raul, round us out here with the spotlight. Okay, so I'm going to pick a player that might seem uh, – I hinted at it earlier. It might seem a little odd because uh, he only had six points. But Sean Stewart, I was really impressed. He came in with like 11 minutes left in the game and then basically played the whole rest of the game. Maybe that not that final minute because I see that he had 10 minutes on the box score. But so he basically played 10 straight minutes. And I thought that the defense actually looked really good with him out there which was surprising because we went really small. He was the five, and uh, it basically had like four guards around him. I mean, TJ might have been out there for a bit too, um, but his athleticism and switchability was causing like a lot of disruptions. You know, he, he got that one steal, which should have been a dunk, and I could tell he was going to wind up for something pretty cool, but then he just kind of slipped. And good on him to not travel, honestly. Most players in that situation would just completely lose the ball or travel. So he just kind of caught himself. Maybe it was a travel, but it was. He did, and he did. Well, you know, it was it was uh, close to the line enough where they didn't call it. And then he was able to, you know, gather it and actually make the layup. Yeah. Um, same with that other time he slipped there. I think he's just like a little, what do you call it, like over his skis. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? He's just going yeah, a little yeah. too fast. Yeah, he um, wanted it too bad with there. I think shoot mentioned not shoot mentioned shoe mentioned that <laughs> same guy. Uh, yeah, shoot didn't mention anything. Uh, he was actually <laughs> sitting quietly in the locker room after the game, and nobody was talking to him. But uh, yes, yeah, it was a little rough. But I don't think anybody wanted to pry, and I wasn't going right. to do it either. Um, right, sure, but yeah, shoe mentioned that uh, like he seems to float when he jumps, jumps, and I really saw that last night up close. It just looked really different. It's like it's. You remember how Gerald Henderson would yeah. look when he jumped yeah. too? It was very similar to that. Yeah, obviously the, a bigger walking player. on air type, where it's like a, going up the invisible staircase. Right, there. exactly. Yeah. Um, but that alley was nice. The main reason I wanted to bring him up is because I wanted to kind of use it as a little a jumping off point to talk about the big man defense and what we do when Mark Mitchell's out of the game. You know, knock on wood that he doesn't miss any more time. But last night showed us kind of how important he is for making uh, this three-guard lineup really work. Um, because if you're playing three guards in the two bigs, it's just you're undersized in the backcourt. And then you have Ryan there. And if we're playing any team that can run five out and do pick-and-pop stuff, it's just Ryan is not able to cover that. So I think that's where you got to bring in a guy like Stewart. And I wish John had kind of done that a little earlier last night, because especially at the beginning of the second half, they were eating us alive on that. Yeah, I, I liked everything that I saw from John. And even it's not even a knock on Ryan, because I listened to the Brotherhood podcast today and he was talking about it. He was like, typically me being way out there or trying to just yeah. not where I'd, I'm usually drop down here yeah ceiling. all last year he, he stayed right in the middle of the lane there yeah so that's something that if that's how we're wanting to do it maybe sean fits that a little bit yeah. better um and then i was hoping reeves would be that but he doesn't really look ready defensively to me yeah i thought his offense looked okay um he had a, i think he had a couple nice finishes maybe but um defensively he was just out of position a lot it's like at least young seems to kind of know where to go he just can't get there in time whereas <laughs> reeves seemed like he didn't quite know where to go yeah yeah that's been my, my knock on him because that's all we really need from him is to be a rim runner a shot blocker like and, and the defensive piece is what's going to really allow him to get on the floor and to stay there um not so much post offense so you know we'll we'll, we'll can continue to look at that as well but uh all right. Well, if there's nothing else, um, you know, obviously I know we, we watched it live or the, the recording of it, but you were there for when John addressed the media, did his press conference, anything that stood out to you or anything that we should kind of roundtable here right quick? Well, I think there's two big um, points to touch on. The first one, of course, is that people did ask him about Jaden Shute not playing last night. You know, during the game, I think people were speculating and chats that i was following is Jaden injured or something because surely in a 30 point blowout he's going to get in the game right um and then after the game somebody asked him about it and he kind of gave this cryptic answer which is 
you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but he has a long journey ahead of him. We've had discussions. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's in good standing. I'm going to keep it private for now. And that's basically all he said. And your immediate thoughts are there are, there's two possibilities, right? Um, it's either redshirt or transfer. And as it came out today, uh, Steve Wiseman reported that he's going to redshirt. So it's the better, it's the better option of the two for Duke fans. Sure. Sure. Um, but it was a bit of a, um, I first saw the quote, like I read it and I was like, Ooh, that's a harsh quote, right? That's a, that's a tough quote. When you hear he's got a long journey of head to start out, it's like, Whoa, <laughs> from where, like from what, like, what are we talking about here? Um, but if the red shirt's in play and if he's on board with it, then I think it could be really good. Now, I don't think we're going to see many red shirts the way college basketball is now with the portal. Um, but to me, that signals that he really wants to be here. He wants to make it work here. And now it's about, you know, putting in the work, I guess, being that practice scout guy that's, you know, going against the the other team. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Shu, what were your thoughts hearing that? I know we were all talking, chatting it up about kind of, you know, speculating, hearing that from coach. How you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I think Jaden even uh, put out a tweet, you know, that he wants to be here. He wants to win. You know, he wants to be a part of the winning tradition here. So it was nice to have him kind of back that up and and then to hear that, you know, it's not a transfer because we talked about uh, when we signed him, you know, those guys in that range, they're, they're typically not ready to give you something right away. So you want to have them contributing as juniors and seniors. The problem is, can you get that far with them, right? right. Can you keep them that long? Um, so... Um, I think in you know down down the road he will because we've seen him, you know, let it lose. He can shoot the ball, obviously. Sure. Um, so it, it's just nice again to to have you know the to know that 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 it's just a red shirt. But I'm just curious why this year and not last year. I don't I don't know if that really matters. But yeah, you think last year would have kind of been the better option, maybe because um, the. Two three position doesn't get any easier to break into next year. I mean, I guess it really depends on it. You know, I guess if we lose Foster and McCain, which certainly could happen, then you're sliding guys over and maybe it opens up a little bit more. But it's gonna be it's gonna be tough either way. But if he's willing to stick it out for four or five years, I mean, if that that's a long journey for sure. <laughs> John wasn't yeah. lying about that, but he could yeah. be really good by that time. You know. Any player who was ranked top 100 and then is in college in his fourth or fifth year is going to be better than most freshmen and sophomores. Right. I, I think the the one real value of benefit of it is if he is on board and he wants to stick around is that we do this. You don't have to worry about asking questions. You don't have to worry about thinking about what I did wrong. How do I get in the rotation? I played seven minutes tonight. I didn't play again for two weeks. Like, we just eliminate that, right? You take that off of the plate. Yep. You're not worried psychologically, mentally, emotionally, that you're dedicated to improving your game, being a part of the program, you know, just being invested in bet and getting better. Um, I think that's a tremendous benefit that we don't really talk about or you hear about a whole lot, but now you don't have to answer those questions anymore. You don't have to worry about like, oh, am I going to play tonight? Am I? And th that sucks too, to be in that spot. I recognize that, but at the same time, it's like, well, now you get a chance next year to be a redshirt sophomore. Um, Going to be a loaded team. It's a loaded class, but you still would have three seasons, right? So if you can carve out a role at all, then at a, as a junior, you're looking at, okay, can I be a rotation player? As a senior, am I knocking on the door for contending for a starting spot or something like that, right? So there's a path, um, but, you know, I remember what it was like to be 19, 20 years old too, and three years down the road is forever at that point. Right. So it's, uh, you know, um, what do you, what do you guys we'll think about also just the time that we're in? Like, all right, Jaden's not a, you know, he's not a physical guy kind of as like wide as like Caleb Foster, right? Like he's slim, um, being in the COVID era where, where there's guys that are 25 and 26 years old that, that they're playing against, you know, do you think that, has anything to do with you know how hard it is to just crack into to some of this playing time maybe just defensively he's not able to hold up against some of these bigger dudes and there's just so much guard depth this year right when you when when roach comes back 
that really is like, okay, it's good for us, for Duke, right? But for a guy like Jaden, it's like, okay, well, now my shot at being a rotational player, oh, now I have to beat out Roach. I have to beat out Proctor. I have to beat out McCain, Foster, Blakes. That's five guys for two positions, pretty much. Maybe three. We can say maybe three spots. But are you going six guards deep? You know, I mean, Duke's a school that notoriously just goes six players deep. So I, I don't know. It's going to be tough to crack into that. Um, but, you know, again, I hope the best for him, whether if he decides to stick it out, that's what I would hope just as a fan to see it all happen at Duke. But I would certainly understand if it's like, hey, man, I'd, I'd like to play. You know, I'd like to go somewhere where I can play. So um, I think either way is fair on that. But, uh, well, let's let's talk about the the match coming up, right? I think it's a huge matchup early on, and I think it's really cool uh, to have this type of game in Cameron. We don't – I've kind of harped on that for a while, as we don't have enough marquee non-conference games, whether it be a true road or a true home game. I don't really care either way. Um, we do a lot of neutrals, and that's where the tournament's played, and I advocate that we still need those. But I love at least one or two series like this a year where we get to bring in Arizona. We get to go to Arizona next year. Um, not to bury the lead, I think the biggest talking point here is the return of Caleb Love to Cameron Indoor Stadium. So let's start there before we jump into anything else. Um, Shu, how you feeling about about Caleb coming back into the house? You think Derek Love is going haunting haunting him a little bit? Still uh, in I here? Mean, you know, uh, I think it's going to be different for him this year because he's in a in a whole different you know situation there. Um, I saw, you know, he he had 12 points in their their opener uh last night. They did score 122 points. They they put up a lot of points. Um so I guess I'm just more curious what his shot selections looks like now that he's got a different coach and and you know different team. Yeah. Well, I I'll, I'll tell you this is uh, we're, we're only through one game, but his assist rate is 351st in the nation. So, <laughs> um maybe not too much has changed. But go ahead, Ro. <laughs> Sounds about right. Um It'll be interesting to see uh, because we don't have Lively and this team isn't so defensively inclined how he does because he did very well against Duke under Coach K, did not do so well last year. So I'm hoping this is a John Shire thing that just kind of carries over. Yeah. Um, is he starting for them? He started last night. Yeah, He did start. Okay. Okay. So um I guess they started a couple of seniors then. I know the 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 Johnson kid that they got's pretty good. Um so yeah, I don't know too much about them. I didn't I mean obviously we saw that they put up 122 and you know, regardless of who you're playing in a 40 minute college game, that's pretty they're, impressive. They're gonna play fast. Right? I, I mean they had eight guys in double figures, so yeah uh, and, and like ten with with over ten or fifteen minutes played. So like, they played a lot of guys. Yeah, I mean, right now they're the ninth fastest team in the country. And again, it's we're through one game here, but they're also the third fastest in terms of their average possession length. So they're like they're wanting to get up quick and they're wanting to let it fly quick. So it's going to be really important transitionally um, that we're we're finding guys, we're finding those seams. I mean, we know Caleb Love wants to do that, but apparently all their guys want to do that. I'm assuming that means their bigs run the floor really well. So. Um, That's where we need Mitchell back or we need Stewart to play more. You can't yeah. have Ryan Young out there against that kind of transition team. Yeah. And they've um, got a big man that's really going to test this too in the paint. It's going to it's going to be a load for Flip, Ryan, you know, hopefully Mitchell's back. I don't know if he'll get the assignment any, but um yeah. Well, on the positive side of that though, um they do they do not have a stretch five. Both of their bigs are kind of more traditional paint players. So a guy like Ryan won't be tested in that sense. Okay. Yeah. So that's, they get that one guy with the freshman. He's like seven, two or seven, three or something like that. They got that, like right? four massive. or seven footers, I think. They got, um, yeah, they do. Yeah. They have two true seven footers. Yeah. Another six, 10 guy, six, nine guy. So going to have some size. Um, but again, it's they have to guard us in space too. Then, right? Mm -hmm. If you're throwing a seven-two guy and a six-ten guy out here, and we put Foster at the four on you, or we get you to switch off, and you got to deal with McCain out here or Proctor in a ball screen, um, it, it it could go both ways. It could go both ways. So uh, they have we'll a couple see. other guys to watch out for too. Um, Larson, he's a six-five wing. Uh, he loves driving the ball. High free throw rate last season. 
shoots pretty well from everywhere on the floor. And then they've got Boswell, who's a 6'2", kind of catch and shoot, uh, 60% three-point attempt rate last year, made 39%. So you kind of think of the kind of like Andre Dawkins mold the player. So that guy I could see uh, either Proctor or Foster maybe get getting uh, tasked with to just chase around and yeah. really close out on him hard. I don't know who will guard uh, Larson. He's six five, put, so yeah, I'd put Proctor on Larson. Yeah, and that's put, what like, I was McCain thinking, yeah. on on the shooter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I hope that McCain, McCain is a little good. more disciplined. Well, <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's true. Yeah, yeah. Can't. He he plays really hard on defense, so I'll give McCain that. And I think it was almost maybe he was a little too hard, maybe a little too amped up. Yeah, but, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, they don't. They're not going to turn it over a lot, um, and they they really hit the, the boards too, right? Yeah. Like obviously, again, it's one game here, folks, but they're second in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. That's something yeah. we just talked about as an area of concern for us, right? So, so some tough um, tough matchup factors for us. I yeah. still I still feel pretty good about our chances, but. Yeah, there's a couple things that we may need to do a little bit better. Um, and hopefully yeah. Mitchell will be back because that would help with a lot of them. Yeah, I, I wish you were able to get the press right for this game because the atmosphere mm, yeah. is yeah. just going to be... Um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of glad I don't. Cause, uh, yeah, yeah I don't that's a big it. one to walk <laughs> this into. This one's one yeah. to not be able to cheer or anything. Yeah, yeah, um, this is a, yeah it's a big-time game. So before we get out of here, let's kind of just, you know, for the sake of it, do some predictions here looking at the spread. Kim Palm has this winning 78-75. Um, I would imagine, I don't know if the, yes, if the, the betting line's out... Uh, it's probably going to be three, three and a half. Two, yeah, three and a half. You know, somewhere in that ballpark, probably two and a half, maybe. Um, I would, I would expect it to probably creep closer to three, three and a half, four. Um, that track with y'all, seventy-eight, seventy-five, Duke. Um, any disagreements? Agreements? Where do you see the score? Shoe, I'll go to you first. Give me a winner and a score. I might go a, just a tad bit higher, like eighty-one, seventy-eight. Eighty-one, seventy-eight. Okay. Yeah, it kind of stole my thunder. I was just thinking. I would hit the over for combined points in this game just because of what you said about pace. And I think that Ken Palm still has baked in Duke with like the 302nd pace. I don't know if it's moved up since uh, last night's game, but he was going off of last year kind of expecting us to play slow. And we're we're not going to play slow. And then if we're going to be playing Arizona, it's going to amp up the pace even more. So I think it's going to be in the 80s. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll say 82 to 74 Duke. I like actually a somewhat comfortable margin. Yeah. I, I was almost just going to do it just for the, the factor, but you got close enough. So now I, don't, I was going to say 82, 72 for, um, <laughs> my old heads out there in the, the one title game, but, uh, shout out to, to one, but yeah, I mean, I do think it's going to be higher. I think defensively, um, both teams are a little bit behind their offense in that regard, so I think it's going to be something. I don't, I don't want to go too high. Um, something like a, uh, I don't know. Let's go eighty-five, seventy-eight, eighty-five, seventy-seven, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be surprised if we put ninety on them, um, but I would also be kind of surprised if we didn't get to close to eighty too. So it's going to be somewhere probably in that ballpark. Do we know the um, officiating crew already yet? Oh, do you want to know? No, nah, probably not. <laughs> so you know, there's there's things to look for. I still think for for me, it's just that Caleb Love storyline too, mm-hmm. especially just out. I want Proctor on him personally, just because there's some history there, right? There's a little bit of um, competition kind of going on there. Uh, it sounds like we all feel pretty good about Duke winning this one, though, even despite it being a half-hour game. Um, yeah, I can't bust out the pessimism this early in the season. <laughs> Save that for later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's a big game for the freshmen, but it's a bigger game because it doesn't have to be about the freshmen. That's what I like about it, right? Is they get amped yeah. up, come in ready to play, be yourself. But we got some dudes that are that are here, and hopefully for you know Proctor, Flip, especially, but Roach, Mark. I mean, this is what you come back for, right? Yeah. This is the type of game you come back for. Um, you hadn't I, lost at home yet. I was gonna the, say had lost at home. The sophomores yeah. have never lost at home, so. Yeah. No, no need to start yet. Uh, so 
we'll see. Tommy Lloyd's a good coach, um, really good coach. I like what he does offensively. He's probably one of the best offensive coaches in the game right now with some of the other guys that have gotten out. So um, it's going to be a test. It's going to be a test. So we'll see. We'll see. Anything else you guys got about Arizona before we get out of here? Uh, Jamie, letting you come to my house to watch it with me and show for yeah, yeah, yeah. So Friday, I'm thinking I'm going to try to shoot down. It's a seven o'clock game, right? Yep. Yeah. So I'll probably try to leave here around six or so. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I would just say, um, you know, obviously all these non-con games against legit opponents are huge for us for resume boosting. So yeah, would really love to get the win on this one. I won't freak out if we don't, but. You don't so, want to lose opportunities. We haven't mentioned Michigan State lost their home over oh, yeah, right. to James <laughs> Madison. So, like, yeah, already dinging one of our resume building games, you know, but whatever. Yeah. Um, Michigan State is currently shooting 5% from three as a team. So, <laughs> scintillating <laughs> over there. <Ouch>. You know? <laughs> um, so, they keep yeah. that up. Yeah. You know, the non con is definitely going to be something that we need to keep strong with the way the conference is. So, um, you know, we'll see. I'm fired up. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to see what we do. Ready to see what we got. Um, it's a potential Final Four type of matchup. So yep. should be a good one. Should be a good one. But uh, you know, in the meantime, y'all know what to do. Rate, review, subscribe. Email us the Pod at gmail.com. You can find us on the boards at devils the devilsden.com. Um, find us on Twitter, devilstenpod two four seven. And uh, you know, no love lost. So keep the faces strong in the verb high. Go do it. Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.